Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back, world. It's the Black Psychologist Podcast. We're back like we never left. Appreciate everybody here joining us, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on iHeartRadio, whether it's Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, wherever, wherever you're tuning in. We appreciate you guys being here with us, whether it's the first time, last time, which it better not be, uh, <laughs> long-time listeners and watchers and supporters, we appreciate it. So it's the Black Psychologist Podcast. I am Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I, and I am him. And you guys all know I'm never here by myself, never, ever. This guy, he means business. He's intense. So say your prayers and eat your vitamins. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Jason Coleman, what is going on, good brother? Man, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hungry looking at that t-shirt, man. You know, representing Philly well, you know, landmark. I, I, it was one of the first places when I actually moved to Philly, it's one of the first places I went because I'm a uh I'm a I'm a foodie on the low, man. So whenever I go to a different city in advance, I look at where the food spots is. And that was one of them. They was talking about the coffee and those donuts with the um the strawberry, strawberry sugar on the outside. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Oh man, don't Enjoy listen, you gotta you gotta embrace your inner foodie, man. Listen, if, if Philly, like and I told you when we first met, like if Philly has anything else to offer, it's food. Like that's we're a melting oh. pot. We got great grub, like that's what we do here. And listen, I like to eat. You know, there are some people that, you know, have, you know, have a weight problem. I can't wait to eat. That's how I roll. Okay. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like that, that's what I do. So like, some, people, some people, you know, they live to eat. I live to eat. Listen, this is what I do. All right. So yeah. who was that? That was Bernie Mac. That was Bernie Mac. Yeah. That was a little Bernie. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace to legendary Bernie Mac. <laughs> legendary beat back. Absolutely. Uh, what's going on, man? How's your week been? Oh man, it's been busy, you know, um, hot, you know, but I'm, I'm chilling, man. I can't complain, you know, just a lot of work, man, but good Memorial Day week, weekend. So I ain't complaining about that either, you know, what about you? What you been up to? Uh, same man, you know, the, uh, it was a long weekend. I'll take that any day of the week. It was hot today. Um, you know, I tried to get a little self-care, caught up on some reading, try to get a little smidge of some self-care activities in there. So what are you reading, man? I'm gonna put you on the spot. What am I reading? Yo, you listen, I'm I'm reading uh what is her name? She's it was on uh and don't don't laugh at me, all right, because I stand proud of it. And I was on uh Oprah's book list, right? Man. So listen, uh what's the actress's name? Um oh man, I, I'm I'm Blanking on her name, she's on uh, on not scandal on uh, how to get away with murder. She's an amazing actress. Um, oh uh, man! Oh, she's in all those movies too. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Blanking that was the one on her that, played, that played. Uh, she played Biggie's mother, right? Yes, 
I, I'm I'm blanking on her name, but either way, and her she book. Played, and she played in the um the help, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing, amazing book. Uh, started reading. You want to talk about resilience? Like she talks about overcoming. She was like one of like seven kids, man. Like in like the impoverished and what she was able to overcome. Um, I mean, amazing, amazing, bro. Uh, yeah, that that it's a good read. Uh, I'm really upset that I'm blanking on her name. Like another actress continues. Like I want to say Alfre Woodard, but that's not it. <laughs> um, uh, you know what, man? See, I'm gonna have me just pull this up really quick. No, a different name is popping up in my head, but um, yeah, she she's an amazing actress, of course. Um, why, why, what? See, you see what happened? Thank you for putting me on the spot. Now I'm out here looking all fake and, and fugazi. Oh man, I didn't mean to do you like that. You know, I didn't mean to do like that. Well, no, it's a um. All right. Well, great, listen. Great since somebody needs to recommend a book, I'm gonna recommend a book for anybody who wants to learn a little bit about trauma. You know, there's a book called "The Body Keeps the Score." You know, by Bessel uh, Vandal Kirk. Don't 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 kill me if I mess up his name. But the body keeps the score. You can get a copy of that on Amazon. It's a okay. terrific book about trauma um, and how trauma, you know, kind of manifests itself, manifests itself in the body um, in different ways, you know, to use like bottom up and top down methods, you know, <clears throat> to manage, you know, and understand trauma. And it gives you a good way, uh, another way to understand it. So okay. that's a good book recommendation you can get from me. Now back to Dr. Kyle. Viola Davis, that's her name. That's who it is. Oh, yeah. I okay. I, I, Alfred would have kept kept coming into my brain. I don't know why. Probably because I was watching something. Because um, I was watching um, a movie earlier or over the weekend. But yeah, Viola Davis. Her book is amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. Check it out. Um, resilient. Amazing actress. Um, yeah. 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 So if you get an opportunity to read that book and check it out, you know, Oprah's got some some good joints on there. Every now and then, I got to check out, you know. Also, being, um, you know, it's still Mental Health Month, Awareness Month, uh, along with Lupus Awareness Month. So we absolutely want to continue to encourage folks to um, check up on your loved ones. You know, we're going to be talking a lot about that through today's episode, as well as that, that shirt you got on, though. What, what's, um, before I forget, go ahead, what you got on there, good brother? What you what you rocking? Oh, well, listen, man, you, you know, um, Obviously, you know, I got, we always, you know, represent prioritizing your mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so anybody that wants to, you know, uh, support in that way, shop mental health clothing, you know, dot com. You know, you can get a shirt, pillow, whatever you need, you can take care of you there. Um, so, but on a bigger note, more importantly, we just want to encourage people to embrace self-care, prioritize your mental health in whatever way that you want to do it. Um, and yeah, that's it, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Um, prioritizing our mental health is none other than more important, especially given the past few weeks that um, the whole United States have has been experiencing. Um, you know, we've unfortunately there's been 
a rash of mass shootings that have been taking place uh, at schools, at supermarkets, at other different public areas. Jay, you just mentioned one you just brought to my attention about there was one that took place at a graduation um, today. So um, it's to say that these are tough and, and horrific and any other different adjective you want to you want to use i think will be an understatement i mean these are tragedies right. and unfortunately they they've been happening more and more frequently um this year we're already at a very high number for um these mass shootings and tragedies that have been taking place and of course the two topics that tend to come up um usually immediately following these tragic events is gun reform and mental health right those are always the same two topics that uh, politicians and other different notable people will be bringing to um, and be debating. And of course we could debate those two things till we're blue in the face. Something that is also important when you want to talk about, okay, what can, what preventative measures can be put in place is thinking about, okay, when these events have transpired, how do we move forward, right? As an individual, as a community, as families, as um, a collective, how do we move forward? How to, you know, how do we learn to cope with these things? And it's tough, you know, for the last few weeks, um, we've been left with little space to even process one tragedy before absorbing another. You know, you went from Buffalo to the Laguna Woods to now or more recently, Texas to now the one you um, you informed me about. Um, and whether you're feeling terrified, whether you're feeling outraged, whether you're feeling despondent or or numb, usually you start you have some type of reaction. Right. You can either feel it in your body. You may feel it emotionally. Um, and especially with each headline, with each quote, which each photo, um, which each video footage that, you know, we are exposed to for all the like the media coverage. It produces some form of a physical sens sensation or even a um, an emotional sensation. And so, you know, it's it's an impact. People are impacted by this and more ways than, than not. And so, um, I saw a, um, I saw, uh, some research or I saw some stats and it says anxiety over school shootings have been on the rise. So he said in increasing from 15%, um, parents and others have been fearful about school safety in 2008 to 24% more recently in 2017. Now it's up to 34% in 2019. And I imagine if you were to poll people and even particular like parents um, today, I imagine that number would be even higher, kind of given the recent events. And right. so, you know, it's difficult for the reason that it's happening in so many different areas. It's not just restricted to schools. It's happening in supermarkets. It's happening at uh, graduations, as you mentioned to me. It's happening in all these other different areas. Um, and there's a reaction. All right. There is a reaction that we are experiencing. Um, and a lot of that is secondary or collective trauma that people are are experiencing. So, um, you know, it's something that I wanted us or that we talked about that we wanted. We felt that was appropriate and talking about that, not just because it's Mental Health Awareness Month, but just because these events keep taking place. Um, 
and something, you know, if we're able to give some type of information where people can utilize to help and kind of help get through this process, because anxiety is high overall. If you're a parent, your anxiety is high. I mean, if you're just a regular civilian or pedestrian, your anxiety is high for the reason that you don't know when these things are going to take place. Jay, you know, and I know that unfortunately, whether whatever people want to place the calls into these situations, you know, it's like it's they're, they're socially contagious. Right. Well, you know, and I know through social and observing learning theory that a lot of these are attributed to, which is just one reason is that individuals see things take place. They see one mass shootings. It contributes to the ideas of other people taking you these things and along with other different things that, that contribute to this type of behavior. But that puts people on edge. Right. That puts people on edge and you don't know where the next event is going to take place. Um and I think also what contributed to, and I didn't really put this together until uh, we were preparing for this, this this portion, was that a lot of the victims have been Black, they've been Latino, and they've been Asian, right? They've been in those communities. Um, and so that, even from afar, it can feel, as a lot of people can feel, like this is happening on home turf, right? That and That's a part of the whole collective and, and uh, secondary trauma. And so even as a parent... You know, speaking as one, this is like your worst nightmare. This is a situation where you send your kid to school to get educated, to make friends, to develop. And you're thinking that this is supposed to be a safe haven. Yet this happens. So I can understand and totally, you know, see why the anxiety has been has been increasing over the um you know, over the past over the past few years, given all these events and the frequency that they've been taking place. So, um, you know, some things that come to or the term that continues to come to the forefront for me is, is helplessness. Right. You're wherever you're at, whether you're at a supermarket or whether you're sending your kid to school, you feel helpless. And now it's, it's to the point where, well, OK, what do we do when you're experiencing this, you know, vicariously or you're, or you're experiencing it through um, secondary trauma? What do we do? Right. So hopefully, you know, we're able to give some of our listeners, give some of our viewers some information that will kind of help them get through this. But, um, you know, that's just kind of what I was experiencing, things that came to the forefront for me. How was it for you? You know, especially as these were taking place, you know, in the past. Um, well, first, you know, today, you know, obviously there was another there was another shooting at a high school graduation um, in Xavier University one person dead, two injured. So obviously that's another event that's going to affect not only the person that was injured, but a lot of other people and families that were there, right? On a day that they was probably looking forward to for a long time. Um, that's probably um, going to be a traumatic memory for a very long time, if not forever, right? So just condolences to the person that lost their life. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about obviously that large, the largest, I guess, child involved shoot, school shooting we've seen in history with 18 people killed in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, Buffalo, that massacre in the, you know, in the supermarket. Um, 2022, there's been 213 mass shootings already. So for you to say that, you know, anxiety is up by, from parents when they're dropping their kid off, 
and it's gone from 15 to 34. Yeah, if they did a poll today, it would probably be a, hot, a lot, hell of a lot higher than that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can understand where why kids and parents would have anxiety. We've got 213 mass shootings. Um, kids have cell phones, right? So they're aware of these school shootings. You have children that are six, five, seven years old coming home after doing active shooter drills in school, right? So, of course, and then on top of this, it just so happens that, you know, a large percentage of, like, these shootings, right? <clears throat> we have the shooting in Buffalo in a predominantly Black neighborhood, right? The shooting in Texas in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood, right? Um, so, again, we're not talking about or Latinx neighborhood, right? We're not talking about... Um, I'm not necessarily even talking about the identity or the cultural identity of the shooters. I'm just talking about the people in the neighborhoods that they terrorize, right? So in addition to all of the other things that they feel like they might be being targeted for, right? Fighting for food security or housing or financial stability, right? Or thinking that the police may be targeting their families, rightfully so, in a lot of circumstances. Now they have to worry about going to church or shopping, going to buy bologna or chicken sandwich at a, at a grocery store or dropping your kid off to school, right? So that's why, you know, I think the cultural component is important, right? Because you have people of color all over this country that could legitimately be terrorized, to, uh, could be legitimately be scared and afraid to drop their children off to school, go sit in church, and go shop and go shop for deli lunch meat at the grocery store, right? Just because they're black, right? Or they're a person of color. So the anxiety is real, right? Um, so that's one thing that's justified. Um, the other thing is, I think that what we got to focus on is obviously you can't predict these things in advance. You know, there's no... Um, you know, magic machine where you're going to be able to wave it amongst or over students' heads and know which one is going to be the school shooter. Um, so you got to focus on resources, right? Supporting the students after the fact and not resisting the urge to kind of move on and make everything look like it's okay. Um, and honestly, I think the schools, and I hope this doesn't sound controversial, but I think the schools would do a lot better job supporting these kids in advance if they had better relationships with the students, right? Because after these school shootings, the kids know that there's, these are, these kids have problems, right? You'll see them interviewing some of the kids and they'll be saying, yeah, we used to call them a school shooter. Why? Because they, they were outcasts. They didn't have friends. They dressed strange. They made strange comments. They, you know, they were, they didn't, Socially, they were, they were outcasts. And I'm not saying that means everybody who fits that profile is going to be a school shooter. But what I'm saying is their peers knew, you know, that these kids were struggling. In, in case after case after case, when they're interviewing the kids, the kids knew. They knew, that you, you know what I mean? Um, they may Again, they may not know that the kid is a school shooter, but... It's like you got to create some type of system where if the children feel threatened or if they feel like somebody needs help, they communicate that. You know what I mean? Um, so, 
you know, again, um, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a strange, um, not a strange situation, but it's, it's just, it's just shocking. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, I think my fear is that we're going to habituate to this as crazy as it sounds, right? Because, and, and unfortunately, I don't mean to make it this type of show, but this is where the politics comes in, right? Because certain people have habituated to 18 kids being killed because of politics. I can never habituate to 18 kids being killed, right? But if you can pivot to, but don't take away this, right? Or, or but my guns, you know, um, then again, my fear is that we're going to habituate to this and move on to something else, right? And then you start offering people prayers and thoughts and the laws don't change. But that's my piece. Now, I think it already has to a certain extent for the reason that how many did you say have, have taken place so far this year? 200 how many? 213. So you... I can't think of all 213 of those events that have taken place. Right. You can't we didn't really even hear about. It. Exactly. And I think that's that's what I mean. That's what I'm alluding to is that some of the coverage. I Listen, I remember years ago, I remember where I was, where I heard about the Columbine things because right. it was my freshman year in high school. And like it was just so just so foreign to right. when I heard I'm like what this was happening and then you heard about some of the other different ones that have had it followed like a year or so later or a few years now you're saying you just said two over 200 have taken place and they're not getting the news coverage i think the one in texas most recent i mean they all should be getting news coverage i think these are mass coverage just because it was younger children i don't know the the details of some of the other ones you mentioned um, or they're that included in that over that, that 200 group. Um, but like the media coverage, it's, they, they mention it, I think for some of these, and then that's it. Right. And so I think that's where it is getting to the point where it's either becoming desensitized or like you said, it's becoming habituated to this, where it's not getting the coverage that it deserves because unfortunately they've become more commonplace. And that's scary. That's very, very scary. And like you mentioned, when something like this happens, like this rocks the fabric of people's lives, of what their sense of security is. Like if it when some people may have, OK, the worldview is that it's safe. Right. The world is safe for me. Sending my kid to the school is going to say going to the supermarket, like you mentioned, it's safe. But when that happens, when especially when it's happened back to back to back and it's happening so frequently, you know, that that shirt that rocks your whole framework of what you thought the world is and how safe it is. You know, is it safe for me to go here? Is it safe for me to go to this place? Is it safe for me to send my kid to school? All these other different, you know, thoughts are now flooding to the forefront and understandably so. And so, like you said, if it's going to be a situation where it takes place and then, then the argument between gun reform and mental health and all those different things, because that's what it's going to be across the aisles that people are going to be pointing at each other. Though this was the cause, this was the cause. I, I read right. something this morning that the uh, the governor, I don't know, I want to say the governor, but some official in Texas was blaming video games and rap music. 
Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Right. So now, now we're gonna we're gonna revert back to that one for the reason, and I imagine that this particular individual doesn't want to go the the gun reform route um, because we all know the the how what how that'll affect you know whatever his ideologies and his his pockets and such. So now Yo, this but, is where we're gonna get back into. We're gonna get into the we're gonna throw big fingers. But see, this is the thing. And this is, I'm going to be very honest, this is where I kind of get, this is where, like, being a politician becomes an an adjective sometimes, right? Because what you see these people doing is what we kind of loathe, right? Every time this happens, they want to conflate racism and mental health, right? So everybody who picks up a gun and, and goes and kills 13 people. The last thing I want to hear out of a governor's mouth, a mayor's mouth, right? Somebody who has never diagnosed anybody, they, they can't spell DSM-4, they've never seen it, is this is because of mental health. How the hell do you know, right? Because that, listen, I'm gonna be very honest, is disrespectful to all of the people that have schizophrenia, that have bipolar disorder, that have anxiety disorder, that have major depressive disorder. When is the last time in mass that they've been killing people at all, much less with guns, right? So this is why I said, this is where the word politician Mm -hmm. becomes an adjective. This is why you can't believe anything they say, because what they're saying is absolutely untrue, right? Because how, how many of these people do we actually find out a week later this person had a diagnosable mental health disorder that was related to what they did, right? Half of these people, you go and you read, you go and you see, look into their social media, they just have manifestos about how they hate black people and they hate Jewish people and they hate women and they hate, that's, that's not mental health, that's racism. Mm-hmm. And prejudice, right? Right, and discrimination, that's, that's all of those, that's all elements of those things, right? But when you conflate it with mental health, that's not what we're doing, right? But you, if you let the news tell it, you let the governments tell it. But remember, this is this is the this is why you gotta watch when somebody watch when some, if somebody's shaking your hand because they might have the other one in your pocket, right? That's why they say that, right? Because if you can get people. To believe that it's the mental, it's the it's the people with the mental health disorders that are walking around shooting people, right? Then mommy and daddy can wake up the next morning and say, "Well, that's them, and not me," right? Because my neighbor doesn't have mental health problems, and nobody I know has mental health problems, and that, that's the bubble we live in. Those people are in the hospital. It's it's a guy that escaped from the hospital and shot everybody. No, it's the kid that's sitting next to your kid every day, right? Could he possibly have some diagnosable mental health disorder that we don't know about? Of course. But there's the same probability of that, a possibility of anybody that's, that you walk past on a daily basis. So that, that's what annoys me, is that the first thing you do is you get the mayor or the governor sitting up there talking about, we need more mental health reform. No. We need, we, we need to address the fact that we have domestic terrorists in this country, right? And we have an epidemic of those people and we have too many guns. I agree. Yeah, it's um it's scary because that's the 
oh, well, you're set the separation aspect of it. And then it also, unfortunately, reinforces that stigma that people that have mental health issues are violent. Right. So it's just like, oh, no, it's just those folks that they have issues or that boy is is disturbed. Okay, or he has issues. If he would have gotten the help to such and such, none of this would have happened. No, I mean, but that that's and I'm I'm not saying you're saying it, but that's true for anybody who has ever been convicted of any crime ever. Mm. If we would have got him the help, he or she the help, they wouldn't have did that. That's true whether you stole a muffin or whether you murdered somebody. Yeah, it's it's uh it's unfortunate, and I and I hate. I hate the the mud slinging, right? I, I hate it because it's it follow it never fails. It follows immediately after one of these events takes place, and it's 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 pointing the finger because you have certain folks that are trying to protect their interests, and it's just like, all right, well, if we blame it on this, then you know, oh, it was preventable. So again, um, something that we absolutely want, especially as people are. Um, you know, these things are taking place ways. And, you know, if you're a parent, again, if you're any type of civilian, a person just watching the news um, or you're some way affected through this is what's been helpful is validating your feelings. Right. You have every right to feel upset, to feel sad, to feel frightened, to feel anxious. It's OK. Right. There's no real, real, real rule book on how you should feel in reaction to these events. You know, the first thing is absolutely validating your own feelings and allowing yourself to feel that way. Right? Because a lot of people say, oh, I shouldn't feel upset. I shouldn't feel this. I feel that. And now you're doing yourself and, you know, your own psychological and well-being harm. Right. It's OK to feel how you feel. So, you know, everybody has different experiences. Some people are going to have different viewpoints, but it's OK. Validate your own feelings first. And then also another thing is practicing self-care, something even as I've been telling some of my clients and patients, um, self-care doesn't always look like, well, you know, let's go do something enjoyable. Absolutely. That that's a part of it. But another thing is that is moderating your exposure. Right. It The new it's going to be on 24 seven. Right. Especially since it's been happening so frequently. Um, you absolutely want to moderate your exposure to this. It's okay to stay informed. It's okay. Information is going to continue to come out. Um, at the same time, sitting there watching CNN for two, three straight hours after you've gotten home from work and after you've been checking on, on your phone and, and people have been talking about it. Absolutely. I don't recommend that moderation. It's okay. You want to check out, okay. Are there new developments and then go about talking with your family hanging out, doing something enjoyable where that that's where that part comes in with those activities. Um, Cause you know, and I know Jay, there'll be some people that'll be tuned in 24 yeah. seven. So absolutely not doing that. Um, talking it out with your family, or especially with your kids. I mean, young kids, I think that's something that um, especially as parents, we tend that's a blind spot. I'm not going to say for everybody. However, when these things are taking place, it's good to check in with your kid. You know, whether they're high school, middle school, elementary school, it affects us, right? And they hear things. It's better for them to have a conversation with us, um, the parent, than as opposed to just leaving them to their own devices or they're getting their own ideas or they're getting, having their own conversations from their peer group or their friends. It's good to actually see what's going on with them, 
right? What are their their thoughts? What are their perspective on things? Because, you know, they may be having difficulty processing it and making sense of it of themselves. Like I said, I, I couldn't make sense of it when I was in high school, that something like this would happen at another high school that was completely across, you know, the United States on a whole different West Coast. And I'm sitting here like, I couldn't fathom that. Didn't talk to anybody really about it. However, it still was something that was difficult to process in the sense of like, I couldn't fathom that happening in my own. But it happens. Obviously, like you said, we're already at over 200 right now for, for 2022. Great. And so, um, you know, taking action, you know, doing something constructive. Um, a lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people want to help. So there are different resources um, that people are able to get involved with. Um, whether it be volunteering, whether it be, you know, some form of action, you know, online, there are other different petitions, there are other different things that people are able to do, um, that can work towards, you know, whatever your value system correlates to. So I don't ever want people to just think that, you know, I have to sit here and just kind of wait for the next one. No, there are different things and different constructive uh, activities that you're able to do as far as that can kind of help towards the cause, helping people, volunteering, donating money, whatever the situation may be, um, relief efforts and things of nature, right? It can go beyond just offering thoughts and prayers, which are good, but there are other different resources that people are able to do and that it can kind of help, you know, uh, provide some relief to that helplessness feeling. So uh, just a few things that, you know, like, again, you know, prioritizing your mental health, especially during times like this. Hey, man, that's good advice. Right? Listen, I was going to add one thing, but, you know, you covered it. So, um, you know, good free game, man. Can't add nothing to that. All right. Um, and other unfortunate news. Um, unfortunately, since the month of March, uh, there have been at least six NCAA athletes who have died by suicide leaving families, leaving teammates, leaving friends, grieving and figuring out how to cope. Uh, you have Arlana, Arlana Miller. She was a cheerleader that was in uh, Southern University. You have Lauren Barnett. She um, went to Liberty. Uh, Sarah Scholes, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, Katie Meyer. Uh, she was the soccer player that went to Stanford. You have Jaden Hill uh, and you got Robert Martin. So all of them passed away during the months of March, April, and May of this year. And these were all athletes who, if you're looking from the outside looking in, they look like they, you know, had everything going on for them, right? They looks like they were doing well, flourishing on the field and whatever perspective uh, sport that they were playing. But away from the field, they could have been struggling with um, some mental health issues that no one knew about. Um, Arlana, um, which stands out with her situation is that she shared a, uh, a final Instagram post where she talked about death. She talked about her history of suicidal thoughts. She referenced her struggles with, um, over the past year with school, with COVID-19, uh, she had tore her ACL and, you know, this is, this is tough. You know, this is, you know, however, we're seeing an uptick in this. So these are just the six notable ones. Right? We're not talking about the ones that didn't make the news. Um, and so this is um, becoming an unfortunate trend, 
You know, this is like the trend, the ones that you don't want to hear about. But this is a lot. Okay. Um, Jay, what were your thoughts about, um, you know, as you saw some of these articles, you started saving this, this taking place more frequently recently? I mean, I'm not, I don't have too much to say about this. Um, but I will say, just to kind of reiterate, you know, suicidal ideation is an extreme symptom of depression, right? So this should help people develop a little bit more empathy patience, right? When you're dealing with people who are experiencing depression, right? Because people don't usually go from zero to suicidal, right? Um, especially if they follow through with it, right? So this should be a moment of psychoeducation for a lot of people. A lot of people don't necessarily connect suicide or ideation and suicide and depression, mm -hmm. um, but increasing empathy, understanding, right? When you're frustrated with people in your life who may be dealing with these things, what I will say is interesting about this is the way it was kind of played out, right? In terms of her posting an Instagram post, right? It's a new generation. People are communicating different, right? Um, I would have never thought back in the day, like if I lost somebody close to me, of like pouring my heart out on Instagram, right? That's just not kind of how I was wired, you know? But it's very regular nowadays. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is you know, older people, younger people, middle-aged, whatever, you got to pay attention to people's um, social media that you care about. And if you see something that's not normal or not regular, then you need to reach out to them the regular way. Not leave a comment, but at least reach out to them the regular way, only because this is the way people are using now, especially when they're struggling to kind of express themselves. So that's all I'm going to say. You know, the one thing that, that stood out um, for me, especially that all of these other players, I'm hoping that these situations also provide insight um, for family members and, and parents. A lot of times, you know, you know when you see, um, when you have, you know, these kids and they're on scholarship and they're out there playing their sport, it seems like a great opportunity. Like, oh, you know, they're out there, they're playing the sport that they love and, you know, they're on scholarship. It's great. It's a great opportunity. They're, you know, they get to travel. Uh, they're living a great life. However, a lot of people don't understand or even take in consideration that, you know, being on the sports team, especially on the collegiate level, it comes with a cost. It comes with a heavy stress load. It comes with a heavy burden. I mean, um, I mean, just maintaining a scholarship alone. I mean, this is a lot of people don't know that most scholarships are year by year. Right. Even right. if you get a full road, like you have to continue to operate and, and play on a certain level or your scholarship can be rescinded at any point in time. Right. right? And if, you know, you're not well off and you're you lose that scholarship. You're going back home. The school is not going to say, oh, we'll work with you. Like, no, you have to keep up that play along with everything else. Right. You got to make sure you're keeping your grades up. Right. Because that's another part of keeping up with the scholarship. Not only you play on the field or on the court or whatever the sport may be, but you also have to keep and maintain a certain GPA. And that's pretty difficult to do if you got practice in the morning, practice in the evening, you got to work out, you got uh, you got games, so you got to make up for stuff. Like, it's so much that happens um, that I don't think a lot of people take in consideration of a student athlete's life. Like, that's a, that's a hell of a lot of stress. 
So on the outside, it may look like they're doing great or they have like this amazing opportunity. And it is. I'm not saying that it's not. However, it's also a lot of pressure that a lot of them have to, you know, have to deal with on a day to day basis. And even Arlana talked about uh, that she tore her ACL. So now you're talking about injury, you're talking about rehab. That's another layer, another component of stress or of worry of like, hey, am I going to lose my spot on the team? Because you know, and I know, Jay, like it's next person up. So I mean, listen, it's listen, we live in a world where people kind of look, they're focused on the outside. So these, if you look at these kids, they're a lot of some of them go to big universities, you know, they're successful on the field, physically fit. You know, I mean, I, I wasn't looking at all of them, but, you know, they're fairly attractive adults, all of them. Um, so people are not, these aren't going to be the people that pe- most people are going to assume are, have challenges, right? Or might be struggling with things mentally. Um, but again, it's just another example of, you know, check on your strong friends, right? Although that has become a cliche, it's true. Mm. I know one thing before we uh, move on, is uh especially the seniors um i know the the folks that i mentioned were on various different um you know uh classes as far as like junior senior uh, freshman however absolutely paying attention to like some of those seniors for the reason that they may going through they may be getting ready to go through if not already experiencing the grieving process because you got to think about like you've been playing the sport for the majority of your life and you know, and I know, most people aren't going pro, right? There's like one or two percent of um, college athletes are actually going pro. Um, whether that you're going to the NBA, NFL, you're going to the Olympics, playing overseas, whatever the situation may be, the rest of that population, the rest of those those college athletes, you're getting ready to graduate, but and get a regular job, right? You're getting ready to go into the workforce. So this may be the last year, the last time that you're playing like in a competitive sport on that particular level. And, you know, for a lot of people, that is a tough adjustment, right? The same way how you have players that are in professional leagues and they have difficulty adjusting to retirement. It's very similar. So absolutely, I would encourage a lot of families, a lot of parents that if, you know, if your kid is coming to the end of, you know, their collegiate uh, career, as far as especially if they were uh, a student athlete, continuing to check on them to see how they are adjusting to that. Because, you know, one second you're going to be playing on that big stage, and then the next second, once the season's over, that might be it. That's difficult. So, um, you know, hopefully, like you said, when people see these these posts on uh, social media. You know, you make that phone call. You maybe you make that drive. You call. You do whatever to try to uh, intervene and kind of see, and investigate, and see what's going on with these folks because these kids are going through a lot. Jay, you know, this is similar to you know a, a parent's worst nightmare at times, where um, you know you send your kid up there to go have school and enjoy life to become you know to develop themselves, and you never know what they're experiencing away from home. So, uh, hopefully, this brings even more awareness to the forefront. All right, Jay, are you a Marvel fan? Do you like you check out the movies, you read the comics? How are you rolling, bro? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I watch all the movies though. Okay. All right. I was getting ready. I don't know about yeah. the comics, you know, so much, but I, I watch all the movies. All right. Well, listen, man. 
I, I'm big in Marvel, bro. I'm a big comic person. I'm a big this. That's a big, huge part of my uh, my self care. Like okay, from uh from reading the comics when I was younger to the to the X Men series. Um, you know, in the nineties, they used to come on Fox Saturday mornings at eleven o'clock a.m. Um, to even the movies now, right? I'm like I'm anybody that knows me, and especially knows that I will drag any of my family members. We're going to go see this movie on opening day. Like the same way how we did with Doctor Strange, we did with Avengers. Like we're seeing it Thursday night. Oh, no, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah no, it's going down, bro. Like, listen, like my, we, when we saw Avengers, my kid went into school like later on that morning because we didn't get out until like one o'clock. All right. <laughs> so she went in late that day. She, she had, that was okay. All right. So I'm big with Marvel. So in an exciting announcement, this past uh, Wednesday or a couple Wednesdays ago, Marvel Comics announced that June's Marvel Voices of Pride uh, series number one will feature the debut of a brand new transgender superhero named Sheila Sexton, a.k.a. Escapade. All right. She's a mutant with power that can switch places with anyone or anything. So the writer, uh, Charlie Jane Anders, mentioned in a statement that um, she described Escapade as a total goofball, a cool weirdo who has super strong senses of justice and a profound loyalty to her friends. He said her powers are pretty unique and they have a wide range of applications. So in addition to switching physical places with somebody, Escapade can trade situations too, right? So in circumstances. So she stood next to the president. She could simply become the president for a few hours. All right. So uh, in addition to her series, um, to her individual comic series, there are plans for Escapade to um, be written or have a story arc into Marvel's The New Mutant series this fall. So she'll be joining up with her first super team. All right. Jay, I am excited about this. I told you I'm, I'm heavy into the to the Marvel world um, and not so much just for, you know, the show itself for what it represents. I think. A lot of people tend to minimize how important superheroes and how important like comic book heroes, um, how they are and how important they are to people or or kids is kind of grown up. The reason why I say that is because it's not just okay, like they they fight crime, they fight all these other different things. It's really what the superhero, what they represent and what they personify. Which is why most people have like a favorite superhero. All right. So Jay, what's your who's your favorite superhero? Black Panther. All right. Why? Growing up, it wasn't Black Panther, but it definitely is now. Growing okay. up, it would have been like Wolverine or Captain America. You know? All right. Why'd you like Wolverine Captain America first? I mean, I just I like the aesthetic with Wolverine. You know, he had the, you know, he had the you know, he looked dangerous to me, you know, and then Captain America just you know, I'm, I don't know, like, I, it was either going to be like a Captain America, Superman-ish kind of, you know, back in the day, those type characters, so. Right. All right. Now, why, why, uh, why Black Panther now, more recently? Black Panther, identi- I mean, I, identifies with me, you know, and then, and then plus, you know, my Howard University brother played him in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. what you think? Exactly, right? And so, that's what I think a lot of people tend to you know minimize of how important superheroes are usually people or kids growing up um and even now as adults you have a favorite superhero based off of 
how that superhero personifies what you value and you're able to identify with him. Um, You mentioned Chadwick and Black Panther for the reason that I remember when that movie first came out, um, I saw a segment. I I don't know if it was Jimmy Fallon or if it was um, one one of the late night folks. So at the at the, the opening weekend, like they actually had Chadwick. He was like standing behind a curtain. Right. And they had they were having like some of the families or some of the, the movie patrons come up and take a picture next to him. And so like they would take a picture next to like the cutout or to the advertisement. And then like Chadwick would come out the curtain. Yeah, I saw that. Surprising, right. And so do you remember like how what the reaction was to like right. the parents and like the some of the kids like for them that actually have like they were so grateful. They were so in awe and happy that they that there was finally a superhero that looked like them right that represented the personified all of the same important values and things that they did um and i feel like this is what can happen with escapade like similar to how women look up to wonder woman right they look up to captain marvel they look up to storm from the x-men right you see somebody strong see someone that's willing to not just not the whole thing of just fighting crime, but they're willing to stand up for what they believe in, right? They're willing to fight for things. So I'm hoping that this character does the same. Like I'm hoping that this character will be able to inspire um, trans and non-binary individuals everywhere so that they're able to fight whatever form of injustice, whatever type of um, issues that are important to them. And I feel like it's important, especially at this time, because, you know, like we talked about a couple episodes, there's a lot of states that are passing legislation, the no gay, the don't say gay bill, the bathroom bill, all these other different things where, you know, that population is falling and coming under attack. So um, this is dope. I like this, man. I mean, listen, what I will add, I don't want to kind of reiterate, I was going to make some of the same points you made. Um, but what I will add to this is that um, I think this may interest, you know, it has the potential to interest like a whole nother, you know, group of children, you know what I mean, in in comics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then most importantly, the representation piece that we talk about all the time, right? Um, you know, we talk about the, you know, representation in a lot of different ways, whether it be the job market, whether it be career paths. Um, but when we talk about the arts, entertainment, movies, you know, it's important for all of us and that doesn't change, you know, for the LGBTQ community, right? So, um, again, you know, I think this can go a long way in terms of providing that representation. Um, I am confident that, you know, it's going to be like well supported, you know, in terms of financially. Um, but I do think it's that you're going to have people that are protesting, people that are upset, right? Because Marvel is a very kind of, I don't want to say old, but it's a it's an institution that's been around for a long time. And anytime you have those type of institutions, you know, they have certain structures and people are resistant to that type of change. Um, so, but I, I may be mistaken, but I don't think this is something that really should surprise people because I think Marvel has taken these type of, if you want to call them progressive positions in the past with different things. Um, so, you know, I think it's interesting. Um, and we'll see, you know, 
how it is moving forward. But the real question is, are you going to go see the Escapade movie? You know, if it comes out, of course. Listen, man, I'm right. on it. Like any, it's on Disney Plus. I'm watching Moon Knight. I'm watching all this stuff, man. I'm on it. All right, that's what's up, man. I want to. I mean, see, it's um, interesting. Like, I thought the powers were interesting too. Switching yeah. bodies and places with anyone. Um, you know. I, I want to say, like, and you mentally briefed it. I mean, you uh, briefly mentioned it that Marvel has been gradually incorporating like characters that are, you know, that have different sexual orientations or uh, yeah. other different things. So they've they've been, you know, they've been absolutely, you know, um, here and there, kind of sprinkling that in. So I'm with it, man. Listen, and it, it, as, long, as long as the character is dope, as far as like the fighting scenes and stuff, like I'm 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 in there, bro. Right. And I think across the board, like you see different things like I, you know, like we collect toys for different, you know, um, at different times of the year. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at a Barbie and it's like they sell Barbies. Some of the Barbies, they like they don't have any hair on them anymore. Right. Yeah. And you'll see them in all different shades and you see the Barbies and they and some of them are, you know, are in a wheelchair, you know, and different and they have different disabilities. So, you know, we you know, certain things, you know, you may kind of do a double take because you're not used to seeing, you know, certain things presented that way. Um, but we got to understand, like, representation is not just for one group of people and it's not just for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's for everybody. So, That's true. Um, you know. Yeah, so bra bravo to Marvel. Way to go. All right. Staying with the uh, entertainment lane. All right. So Netflix has a new show that's out. All right. It's called... Um, they've unveiled the first look at this, Dave. Uh, if you haven't seen the the, um, the trailers, it's centered around a new group of individuals living with autism. All right, so it's called Love on the Spectrum. You in the uh, United States, so it will follow a group of people in America who live on uh, who live with developmental disorders as they navigate the world of dating and relationships. All right, so it's going to feature uh, a diverse group of individuals who are all looking for lasting and loving relationships. So throughout the seasons, viewers will be able to see uh, relationship hopefuls scanning online profiles, doing research ahead of dates, and they'll also get to watch the singles go on dates and attempt to find their soulmates. So it's going to be them taking their first steps into the world of dating. Um, and as well as some of the help that they get from their families and their friends, uh, there will also be like relationship experts that'll be on there, um, to help provide the love seekers with like practical skills to help them navigate, uh, what can be a confusing experience for anyone and kind of helping, giving them the, um, additional confidence to begin their journey on the road of finding love. All right, Jay, um, you are a Casanova. So what are your thoughts about this, man? Um, no, I'm not. But listen, <laughs> listen, listen, I had a general question before and then I'll answer it. Uh, but are you interested in general, like in any of these shows, like 90 I, Day Fiance, Married at First yeah, Sight? Yeah, listen, 90 Day Fiance is a train wreck. I, I, I can't I can't not look at that sometimes. Okay. Yeah, it's good because the, the dynamic of like, like, yo, how do you find each other? Like, some of these these pairings are off the wall. I try not yo. to judge, but I, I it's like, what is happening here? So it's it's impossible for me to look away from 90 Day Fiance, bro. 
Yo, Love is Blind is the one. Yeah. Love is Blind, where they talk through the wall and marry each other through the wall before they oh, see wow. each other. It's real. There, there was yeah. another one on Netflix. Uh, I forget the name of it, where they have couples, right? The couples that come in, and I think they're on the verge of getting married. But right. it's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm watching that now. Yo, that's the ultimatum. The yeah. ult- oh, bro, I want no smoke with that one, bro. Like, that, yeah, that yeah, thing yeah. is intense. Yo, Yo, there's no, there's no way I would I'm be able to go on the show like that. Away, but you see people, listen, yo, you see people break down right before, like, their girl is about to go on a date with somebody else. It's like, bro. nah, 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 I'm the, good, I'll get the, married. Yeah, the one, the one boy was like, nah, nah, we cool, we good, do whatever you want. Nah, we like, out. nah I'm good, I'll get married. Yeah, we I'm get married. <laughs> but in terms of this, you know, and that's, you know, I just wanted to ask you because Again, I was a little like when I saw the article at first and I saw the title, I was a little skeptical, right? Of yeah. what it could be about. You know, I thought it was like like some type of manipulative kind of thing. Um, but this is a franchise, right? Like they did it in Australia. Um, there's plenty of trailers online and, and they, that's why I brought up the other show because that's kind of why I thought it, you know, it's not manipulation at this because it's in line with those other shows, kind of the same type of thing, right? Mm. Um, and then as I kind of started looking at it a little bit, I think it could have a positive effect. And so, of course, it's entertainment, you know, it's television. So it seems, you know, there's some funny lines and all of that stuff. Um, but just social, you know, a lot of these people have a lot of insight in terms of their own um, symptoms, in terms of what it's like to have autism. And they do a good job of communicating. Right. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of people. Well, some of the characters on there talking about explaining how it impacts their social interactions, right? So the so the psychoeducation piece in terms of that, um, and then it also kind of explores the impact of the family, right? And on the person, because you have some of the caregivers or the siblings, I don't know who it was, you know, talking about um, people writing their family member off because they have autism, right? So you, so you kind of get a look at, and we talked about this here, the impact of like a diagnosis on dating, right? how it affects people. Um, so I just thought that piece was kind of interesting. Um, but what did you think? I like this aspect um, or the angle that they're doing the show for, because uh, this is the first time I've heard of it. Like I didn't see, um, I've never seen the um, the Australia version of it uh, for the reason that Typically, when you think when you think about individuals that have um, autism or any other type of developmental disorder, you don't think about them in that particular um, aspect of their life. Right. You just kind of see them. All right. uh, Getting them services so they can work, getting them services or helping them support them while they're in school. And, you people forget that, you know, these they're individuals, right? They're people. They have lives. And even though they may experience different social deficits or some communication issues, um, they still have life and want to experience the same joys and the same different areas and quality of life that people that don't have developmental disorders. And so I like that they're highlighting these ancillary things as far as like dating for them. And what does that look like? Right. Because, you know, and I know involved with dating are 
social cues, nonverbal cues, all these other different things like dating. Dating is difficult for your person that doesn't experience any type of developmental issues or or and any other type of thing. Like, so now you want to toss in or you take into consideration someone that's been, you know, this has been a constant thing that someone's been working on as far as like with autism. And so I like that aspect of them highlighting this. Um, I'm hoping that it absolutely doesn't go like the 90 day fiance route. Um, I hope that they remain, um, that they keep up with its integrity um, and they stay with just following how these folks are just looking for the same thing that any individual is looking for in the dating world, you know, as far as respect, understanding and, you know, companionship. And so I can only imagine something. I think that's something that we take for granted for the reason that people we've been in and out of relationships since middle school, right? High school, like you, you get your training wheels going through life, you know, just talking, dating, all these different things and how I imagine maybe it's been difficult for them to be able to do that and how they're getting that support from family and friends and such. So, um, you know, I like this. I, I like that, you know, that they're, you know, shedding a light on this, um, and, you know, showing that sometimes this is something that we take for granted and kind of seeing what it looks like for individuals that uh, have these different type of issues. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I'll be uh, tuning in. I'll give it a go. I always, um, you know, I watch two episodes and then I decide whether I'm going to dump it off my queue or not. But, you know, this is a difficult dance to kind of, you know, have because television is about entertainment, right? If you go too far, on the entertainment, you could border on like manipulation and exploitation yeah. only because when even if you look at the clips, it's obvious that everybody on the show has different levels of functioning, mm-hmm. right? So hopefully you have somebody, you know, in terms of between the producers and the people's families who are featured, you know, everybody is at a healthy medium with, in terms of the inner balance and the entertainment and the psychoeducational piece. I'm going to leave it there. What I liked also is that um, it was a wide range of not just male and female, but ages also and cultures. Right, right. Right, and ethnicities. And so I think that's also something that you don't tend to see um, a lot of in regards to some of these other different uh, developmental disorders. You only, sometimes depending on, you know, your viewpoint, you may only see a particular gender, right? You only may see a particular ethnicity. And so I'm happy that they sh- they're showing that range. Um, I believe there's another show, I think on Amazon, it also is something similar. What's it called? Uh, bu- 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 hold on. Um, I saw it's, I don't know if it's a dating, but I know it is dealing with something with um, As We See It. That's what it's called. Oh, okay. So that's also uh, involving, I think, individuals that are on the spectrum. And I don't know if it's dating, but it might be just looking at like kind of like their daily activities and different um, difficulties and things that they, you know, uh, experience. So, yeah, I, like, again, I, I hope it, it maintains it, its integrity, that it doesn't become uh, something where it's just entertainment value, because I think this would absolutely be a great educational piece. I think it'll be... Um, Interesting to see as the show probably grows in its popularity, how some of the like individuals on the show, like the cast, how they start to blow up. Because, you know, that that never fails where you're going to have a couple people 
that are going to like their popularity, they're going to blow up and you're going to see it, but a lot of different other kind of platforms. So it'll, it'll yeah, be you're right about that. Fix, you know, that'll be interesting. I'm tuning in for that. Yeah. Um, so Jay in financial news, you know, last week we talked about uh crypto, right? Mm-hmm. Now we got our eyes set on Wells Fargo and then it appears that Wells Fargo were holding fake interviews for women and people of color for jobs that were already filled to inflate its diversity efforts. All right. So uh, an ex Wells Fargo exec um, reported that in Wells Fargo employees held fake interviews with diverse uh, job candidates in order to boost its diversity numbers. So seven current and former employees, including one former exec executive, uh, informed the New York Times that they were instructed to interview women and people of color for roles that had already been filled. These efforts, they said, uh, appeared to be a way to show the record of diversity efforts rather than actually hire the diverse candidates. Three current Wells Fargo employees told the Times that fake interviews had always been conducted as recently as uh, he said that there were interviews that had been recently uh, conducted as of this year. Jill Bruno, who's an executive in Wells Fargo uh, up until um, last August, said that when he complained to his bosses about the fake interviews, his claims were dismissed and he was ultimately fired. And he was dismissed in retaliation or they said that he was dismissed in retaliation for raising his concerns. Um, But they said that he was um, let go for that. He retaliated against a colleague. Okay. So a Wells Fargo spokesperson told the insider statement that uh, the claims could not be corroborated and the claims as factual. Okay, they also let out a statement that at the same time, we take the nature of these allegations in the story seriously. And as a company, we do not tolerate that type of conduct. We will continue our internal review if we find any evidence of inappropriate behavior and shortcomings in our guidelines and or their implementation, we will take decisive action. Well, that is good to know, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jay, at first glance, you know what I thought about? I said, oh, wow, this seems like um, this is very similar to the Rooney Rule. Right. So this is what Wells Fargo just kind of took a page out of their book and said, we'll fix that. Because in uh, June of uh, 2020, all right, uh, the CEO, well, in retaliation or response to the George Floyd protests, the uh, Wells Fargo uh, CEO made it like a very insensitive um, remark regarding, he had a a memo that he had released, and he said that he would like to hire more people of color. Unfortunately, there's a very limited pool of black talent to recruit from. Obviously, you know that this didn't go over well. So, they adopted a formal policy requiring a diverse roster of applicants to be interviewed for roles that were uh, that would pay over a hundred thousand a year. So, to me, this looks like yeah, they just adopted the Rooney Rule. Um, this is very uh, to say this is inappropriate or morally wrong or ethically wrong is that would be an understatement. Um, yeah, this is a way of them kind of just kind of skirting around. Um, they came up with a policy that they said, oh, this is what we're going to do to become more inclusive. And they said, um, yeah, we're just going to check the boxes, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, I feel for the individuals coming in and wasting their time. Um, 
I mean, I guess at least you had one executive speaking up about it, but we saw what, what took place with him. Um, this, I wish I could say I, I was surprised, Jay, but I'm not. Um, you know, it's it's good that it's well, to the forefront, but I'm I'm not I'm not surprised. I mean, I think Wells Fargo, along with other different um, prominent companies, are also engaging in this type of uh, activity, which is unfortunate. Well, they got caught red-handed. It appears, but it's good that this kind of gets exposed by the New York Times, right? Because otherwise, you hear the rumors every year, right? We see. The evidence we see the same names every year in the NFL going for you know interview after interview they never get any, any jobs and people just explain it away right but we know what we're seeing we know we're not stupid and what we're seeing is a revolving door and basically you know parading characters for show right so they did the same thing they got caught obviously they didn't pay attention to the other part of when the NFL got caught so Wells Fargo should just cut the check right now, right? I'm waiting to see what the Juneteenth celebration is going to be like because it's going to cost them millions. It's going to cost them millions in investments to Howard University and all these other places. It's going to cost them millions in community programs. It's going to cost them millions in folks that they're going to have to actively go out and hire through other firms now, right? Just because you wanted to keep a traditionally white power structure in place, right? This is, this is, these things need to come out, right? Because when you talk about structural racism, this is it. Mm -hmm. You can have a person that's qualified, right? They can look the part, have the credentials, dress the part, talk the lingo, walk in for the interview, and there was no chance they was getting a job. Right. So when people tell you structural racism doesn't exist, these are the gatekeepers. Right. These are rooms that and they said they did it to women and people of color. So what does that mean? That means that we want to keep this place filled with white men. Good old boys club. Right. So when we talk about, you know, that kind of uh, about racism and especially in 2020, I'm not worried about somebody calling me the N-word. I'll deal with it if it happens. I'll deal with it, you know, swiftly. But I'm more worried about the structural racism and people putting obstacles in my way without me knowing or the obstacles that they're going to put in, in my nephew's way. Right? So this is the issue. That's the issue. The thing that I always question is that when you have these uh, committees like the EOC and all these other different um, agencies or committees or, or what have you, that's supposed to be looking into the quality control and investigating these type of things to prevent them. It's always a situation. And this is where I feel like a lot of these companies are able to um, finagle and, and utilize this loophole that we're going to interview. Right. It always seems like they're putting emphasis and, you know, concentration on, well, how many candidates are these companies interviewing? How many are they giving opportunities for? No, let's let's look at how many are being hired. The same thing with the NFL. Like it's a glaring number. 
compared to other different agencies that are actually going forth with these policies, right? Or with these initiatives. Let's stop focusing on, oh, let's, we interviewed 10, 15 people, right? There were women, minorities, all these different things. Now, how many people have you hired? That's what you need to be looking. And I feel like this is where a lot of companies are able to use it as a shield to say, oh, well, we're, we're interviewing folks, but we, they didn't qualify or something. Yeah, well, no, look at the number. But, how many people are being hired? I mean, you'll a lot. See, you'll I see think the difference. I mean, I think we also got to recognize, too, I don't have any data to point to, to, you know, to back this up, but in certain industries, especially the higher up you go, you can interview all the people you want. You look at everybody there, a large percentage of them, probably half of them, are going to have gotten the job because of a relationship, somebody that they knew. Oh, nepotism right? is, yeah, nepotism in full effect. But I mean, for all of us, we you have professional relationships, same way I do. God forbid if I lose my job, I'll probably find another one because of one of y'all, right? We're always tossing things back and forth. Yo, it's a job opening, my supervisor, this and that. That's the same thing. But if everybody there is, this, is, is homogenous, if we're all white men that have the same experience, mm. we're not going to be able to pull Dr. Colin because we only know white men that have the same experience. That's the that's the problem. You know what I mean? Um, so I, and when you talk about the financial industry, you know, it's similar to a lot of other industries where there are plenty of people of color who have the grades. They have the you know, they they know the lingo. They know the field. Right. But they're not going to have access to certain funds and certain, you know, uh, uh, places of business because. traditionally that's not going to be where they go because that's not where they work because the relationships aren't there. You know what I mean? So again, I just think that's something that needs to be kind of talked about. And, and just to kind of tie it back to mental health, it's even more despicable because we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are depending on financial support. So you may have people who have walked in there and literally been up all night praying that they get this one chance for this one job and you could have came in there, you know, with a three thousand dollars suit and all your and all your shit together, or you could have came in there in a t-shirt and flip-flops with with your resume with coffee on it, but you was going you wasn't gonna get the yeah, job anyway. You weren't gonna get it anyway. So yeah, it's, it's disheartening. Um, like you mentioned, when you actually look at you know, specifically, or you look at that you know, that ecosystem in, in sense of, like you said, you have someone that really is counting on this. This person right. is getting their game together, getting themselves together, putting their best foot forward, and it's already rigged before he even gets there. Right. So, um, but yeah, you know what? I imagine this is going to be more financial institutions that are going to be more to come because Wells Fargo, again, um, they're already facing a lot of um, discrimination suits. They're already facing it. They're, they're paying out a lot of money. And, well, it's going to be more. Oh, yeah, it's going to be more, especially, you know, the way these, you know, these institutions treat some of their employees. You really think that they're going to continue to safeguard some of those practices that you know, they experience? No, they're not. So, but shame on it. Like you said, it's going to be a domino effect. More are going to come out and... You know, shame on you if you continue to participate in these type of practices, because, again, you're going to have to shove out more money and you're wasting a lot of qualified applicants time where 
you know, like you said, you just look around and you hire the right folks. But what are you going to do? But there will be more to come. So we'll see. Okay, I'm sure. Uh, Jay, we covered a lot. We covered a lot today. Anything uh, before we get out of here? Um, as always, you know, just want to thank everybody who take the time to listen. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, humble by the support. Continue to be. Um, so continue to like the videos. Please share the videos. Um, continue to send us, you know, the messages. We appreciate the support. And as always, prioritize your mental health. Absolutely. Um, I can't really add anything to that. Is that we, again, appreciate the support. Even though we are coming to the end of the month, it's still um, continue to check every loved one, continue to uh, participate in mental health awareness, continue to participate in lupus awareness um, because it affects our community, especially it affects every community. However, you know, there are some nuances in which we are affected and continue just like Jay and I talked about all through this episode is checking up on your family members, whether at school, whether they're, at work, whether they're your family members, you know, let's get past these stock answers of, oh, I'm good, I'm okay. And let's really get into having these discussions and checking up on each other. All right, um, Jay, I will see you next week, good brother. Yeah, next week. Listen, I'm gonna send you that video for the last one later this week, but I just got caught up, man. So I'm gonna yeah, man, send it to you, I'm gonna send it to you tonight. You're out here saving lives, don't even worry about it. No, I meant to say I'm going to send it to you tonight because I got nothing for the rest of the night. So I'm going to take care of it. All right, cool. All right, man. All right, bro. Till next time. All right, later, man. All right.